Welcome to Zoom for Thought, a podcast series exploring the impact of lockdown and coronavirus on both teaching and learning and music and performance, exploring creative solutions to the problems we face and finding common ground. My guest this week is Michelle Harris. Michelle is a professional mezzo-soprano whose career has included singing with English touring opera, the Opera de Lyon and the Opera di Roma, and giving the televised premiere of a reconstruction of an opera by Cavalli in Croatia. Michelle is also a singing teacher, teaching students reading music at Canterbury Christchurch, and also pupils at both Junior and Senior King School in Canterbury. I began by asking Michelle about the process of adapting from face-to-face teaching to online delivery, and the process of making that change. So when it first became evident that it was impossible to do face-to-face teaching, there was a a moment when I realised that if it wasn't going to be possible to work online, then we would, as a family, would be left without my salary, which was is a big issue. So from my perspective, it was very important to make online working work from the beginning so I was very highly motivated I found it extremely stressful those first three weeks um, as I'm sure everybody that has taught online or has been on an online meeting the main problem that you have is that the latency um, between the two parts of the conversation makes it almost impossible to marry anything up together So that was a major concern. Obviously, when you are teaching, you need to be, and you're accompanying, it needs to be real time. So it was quickly obvious that it was not really going to be possible to accompany any students or offer them really any support in real time. So that meant that there were a lot of additional resources needed to be sent to the student. The other thing, of course, is that Um, that student then has to be responsible for those resources. So you can send them digitally and then they have to play them their side. So that meant that not only did they need something to conduct the lesson on, um, but they needed a separate device to, to play the recordings on for them to then sing along with. I think getting people's technology into a state where they could actually use it and take part in a lesson properly took quite a long time and that probably was the most stressful. Obviously early on when we were using um, different platforms, I started off using Zoom, then I had to use Teams. I've also used FaceTime and Skype, but those are for private lessons rather than lessons through schools. All of those have different audio settings. So that was another issue that had to be dealt with because um, sometimes you would a singer would begin to sing and then they would just cut out and that would be because your computer was thinking that in fact that was background noise because it was a consistent sound all of those things made it quite difficult but not impossible and actually what I found moving forward past Easter was that once I had set up everything and students knew how to get into the lesson to begin with, so how to pick up the, the call or how to um, log into Zoom or whatever platform was being used, uh, the 
and they had their technology sorted, in fact, actually, the lesson could go ahead quite smoothly. And in fact, you probably wasted less time uh, with the meeting and greeting that you would do face to face. There are students who are able to access the lessons better than others. And those tend to be the students who are generally much more organized in face-to-face -face lessons. So if you've got everything to hand, it means that there's less waiting around and more singing gets done. Um, I do have students who find that organization much more difficult. And it, it's frustrating from my point of view to, to kind of be waiting for that to happen. But I have noticed that there has been the similar trajectory of progress from online lessons now we are much more used to conducting lessons in that way so in some ways it's been about the the pupils and the students adapting to receiving their lessons online in this uh, for as much as it's been about you adapting to delivering online absolutely it's a i always think of um teaching as a partnership between yourself and a student and in a face-to-face -face lesson it's much more easy to understand the visual clues and the audio clues that um, go along with communicating uh, unfortunately when you're working on a screen um, some of those cues can be blanded out so it's very important that students kind of wait for the time for you to finish speaking or in fact that's one thing I find really difficult as well letting a student get to the end of something because in fact if you interrupt sometimes you you're you're trying to be supportive um, <laughs> and say well done as the, and, and trying to encourage them to carry on and sometimes if you do that in a vocal way in a um, an online lesson you find that actually you destroy the whole fluency of it um, so I've learned to use hand signals and and thumbs up which I actually do at the screen or um, I do quite like the zoom one that that uh, all the clapping um, <laughs> certainly my younger students quite enjoy those little uh, emojis in some ways uh, there's some aspects of teaching online and, and some of the tools and the facilities that, that that younger pupils particularly might find a bit more a bit more engaging a bit more entertaining because of a, the novelty value of a, of a of a hand emoji or hand icon popping up and so on do you find that some of the some pupils actually are more engaged by the sort of digital platform online learning than, than if you were doing it face to face i'm not sure that you can get more engagement in an online lesson um, that's designed to really bring on technique and what have you but certainly it does make it a lot more fun for some students and in some ways it would be it would actually be nice to have more options um, I mean I have got a large range of um, ages of student I've got I suppose my youngest student is probably about seven and my oldest student is probably towards 77. And um, even my oldest student actually quite enjoys the, uh, the emojis of the heart and the, um, <laughs> the clapping. And certainly my university student really enjoyed 
um, having the thumbs up given uh, on the screen. I think it it made it just a little bit lighter um, because it can feel quite um, frustrating and stressful. And I think a lot of uh, research has shown that working on screen can can be much more demanding. I, I mean, going back to when we, I made the change, I found that I could not go from one lesson to the next without a break. Um, and I started factoring in at least five minutes to actually sometimes to, to get away from the screen and to run around the garden just to to get a bit of fresh air yeah. um, and uh, and also not to teach really more than about three hours in a on the trot obviously my job is all about listening and when the tools that you are listening on are at the mercy of a Wi-Fi signal or the equipment that your student or you may have um, that can be you know very frustrating early well actually I wouldn't say early on about I, I suppose about sort of five or six weeks into teaching um, we purchased a webcam for our PC which I hadn't been using hitherto for teaching I'd been using my iPad which I thought would be you know the perfect product to be uh, zooming and and etc but actually what I found was that even though I've got quite a large screened iPad, I found that the larger screen and the fact that I didn't need to be so close to the screen and also that the, the speaker was much better, um, even though it's not a, a super duper speaker, made a huge difference to my feeling about the, um, the space I had in which to respond and also it, it felt that I wasn't in a tiny little box somehow. I think it, it just made a big difference and and also stabilizing the internet signal by an ethernet cable also meant that, I mean, I don't think the quality really was any better, but it just meant that the, the, the signal was stabilized so that there was less likelihood of the um, signal dropping out really. So it's interesting that the as soon as you widened your uh, technological tools to embrace a webcam and a PC uh, and speakers, so as soon as as, as the, the field of your teaching uh, widened, you found it less fatiguing than if you were focusing all your energy onto the, the screen of an iPad. Is that right? Absolutely. It, um, it made a huge difference to me. And I suppose the fatigue factor became so much less also um the actual teaching i found myself I, as a vocal teacher i'm obviously aware of how i should be producing my voice and how i should be sitting etc etc but the stress of actually delivering those early lessons uh i would come out of the of a session of lessons and I would feel like my throat had been squeezed and it what I found actually really useful is that one school um, they early on they said that they wanted us to uh, record all of our lessons for safeguarding reasons mm -hmm. and 
actually I went back and looked at some of those lessons and, and used some of those lessons as CPD really um, in order to just see what was I doing wrong? Why, why was I having a bad voice? Why did I feel that my voice was really um, squeezed at the end of the, the session? And I suppose it part of it is because there's a frustration with the latency, you're working a lot harder to try and make sure that you what you're saying is being heard and, and listened to. And that that was that was good to actually see myself on screen and see what I was doing wrong. Also posture you tend to lean into a screen if you feel that um, a student isn't really seeing you. But of course that's actually not really very helpful because if they're not looking at the screen, you leaning in isn't actually going to help you <laughs> at all. <laughs> So actually, the, the the recording facility, which was for for the benefit of the school and the pupil and safeguarding and, and, and for the teacher and so on, actually had a, a wider benefit in that you could actually view yourself. Because obviously you don't presumably see yourself from the pupil's point of view when you're teaching, do you? Unless you're making a point of, of videoing your own teaching sessions, which I guess m most people don't suddenly the, the recording facility became an opportunity for you to use it as a reflective tool. Yes, and actually it also was really useful not just to kind of work out what I was doing wrong in terms of um, online teaching, but also to see yourself um, in the context that your student does see you. And, you know, sometimes I sort of saw things that I thought, oh my goodness, I never realised I did that. Um, <laughs> I must stop doing that. And, you know, sometimes you, your immediate reaction isn't always something that you want your student to see or be involved in, because actually what you need to do is you need to make that reaction into a, uh, an instructional uh, help towards mm -hmm improvement or encouragement because let's face it no one goes to lessons because they are perfect you're going to a lesson one for enjoyment obviously but the main reason you're going to the lesson is because you want to get better and and you want to benefit from that lesson by improving not only your skills but also your ability to do that in the future so um, it's very important that the person that's teaching you gives you what you need and that isn't necessarily their first impression it needs to be a bit more considered than that yes i mean i see what you're saying it's it's your reaction needs to be a positive one even if even if you're you're listening to your student do something uh, that that you need to correct your reaction still needs to be one about building on that and improving it rather than presumably a, a shock horror look of of aghast <laughs> <laughs> indeed and i think it you know as a teacher you're constantly looking for ways in which that you you can uh, encourage and make your student enjoy what they're doing whilst they're moving forward. Mm. Um, and, and I think actually being able to look back on my recordings has, has made me understand a little bit more how I can do that. Because your student is never normally looking at you for 100% of the time. 
in a lesson. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, they have got their music in front of them. You're talking to them, so they may be making notes. They may be thinking about how they're going to do that, but they're not really um, taking you in 100%. But obviously, if they are able to look at the recording, as I did, they can also see some of the things that you, you know, some of the instant reactions, some of those um, moments where you, you kind of put your head in your hand and you hope <laughs> that no one saw that. Um, and actually, I suppose it, it's very important that you realize that you are always being watched by your student and that they can go back and look at that. I mean, of course, that is a brilliant tool for them because it means that they can re-watch that lesson as many times as they feel they need to. Mm -hmm. So what they missed in a lesson, maybe when they were thinking about how they might produce the sound that you asked them to, they might have missed something else you said. So actually, I feel that the recording function has not only helped me, but I'm sure that it, it's a brilliant tool if it is used. It's not always used by all my students um, to the best effect, but um, there are some students who actually go back and look at those lessons and think, ah, oh, right, okay, how did I do that? How did she ask me to do that? How did I begin my lesson? It, it was very, it's, I think it's been a very useful tool for all of us. And you were saying earlier that you, you taught your students and your pupils in a variety of locations, depending on where they are in the world and, um, you know, at home uh, and so on. Uh, and you taught one student who was actually having her singing lesson in a nearby church during lockdown. Oh, yes. One of my um, final year degree students was uh, actually preparing for a final recital which was going I mean obviously final recitals weren't happening live mm -hmm. so she was preparing her work in her local church um, which actually was an amazing um, experience for her I think because it actually gave her the opportunity to really let rip and, and have a, a bigger sound which she needed because she was singing operatic repertoire yeah that was that was rather good actually and because we were conducting our lessons online and her exam eventually was going to be a recorded um, version of her recital with um, a backing track which obviously isn't ideal she was actually getting really useful coaching because, in fact, she could see herself on the screen. She could see what she wasn't doing. And that's another advantage for all students um, is that they can see themselves in real, more or less real time what they're doing. So, so if you say to a student, can you just look at your jaw, you don't have to sort of say, oh, turn around and look at the mirror. They can immediately see that actually their jaw is tight and they can actually um, do something about it. So that has been, that's been a really useful thing. But going back to uh, this student in the church, I, it, it, was a, it was a really nice thing to be able to hear her voice in a really good acoustic 
um, in her lessons and be able to work in a way which meant that her recital could be, well, it, it could be a snapshot of the lessons, in fact, that we, we had had most re recently. So that was great. Because presumably the, the students and the pupils, you're, you're teaching them and, and they're at home. So they're having their lesson in a, in, a, in, a, in a domestic room, which isn't geared towards the communication, the projection of a, of a live performance. So teaching, teaching a student who's having a lesson in a church actually brings some of that back into it. It does indeed. And of course, it also made it feel like she was making a performance and so that kind of gave her a, a big opportunity to, to, to put herself in the situation that she would be in before her exam. And I think that made a big difference because, in fact, she did get a first in her recital. So that was, that was great. One, uh, my guest last week, Anna, was talking about the, the rituals of performance and the, the various processes you go on before you go on stage, you know, putting your, your, your concert clothing on, walking on stage or preparing backstage, about getting into the, the mindset of being about to step out and, and deliver in public. So presumably that was something that, that you were able to do with your students' lessons in the church. Did she have her lessons wearing her concert clothing? I'm thinking particularly of, of concert shoes. <laughs> well, that's an interesting one because um, obviously the final in fact the final recording that she submitted really was only focused on her upper body um because she was limited in the amount of technology that she had so i mean she could have wearing been wearing pajama bottoms <laughs> who knows um maybe that made a big difference i don't know i think there was less pressure on her to wear something that might not be the most helpful thing to have on your feet um, when when singing. So um, yeah, that, I I don't know about the the um, the dress. She certainly didn't dress up for her lessons, but then she's quite a, a a more of a casual dresser anyway. So I would have said that she she probably. Um, she, she probably kept her Converse trainers on when she was performing, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and I guess that's, that's part of it, isn't it? It's making the, the way in which you're being asked to present your recital, i.e. not a traditional going on stage in your full bib and tucker or full frock and, and, and shoes and performing with, with, with the visual element, but actually making recording it and, and doing your final recital as a recorded online performance. It's actually about making that work in that particular regard, isn't it? So you were saying about mm. um, um, resources and the importance of, of managing resources for students. Is that making sure they've got things like backing tracks and, and pre-recorded accompaniments that they can sing along to because you can't play for them in their lessons? Yes. Um, I mean, I have to say it's a kind of varying success story um, and probably the youngest students find um, organising their resources much, much harder than the older students that I have. It's a difficult one. I'm, I'm currently looking at ways in which I can deliver a lesson and perhaps support the lesson by having a kind of a digital record of all of the, the 
um, digital resources that I have sent mm-hmm. um, in one place for each student. Um, the the problem is that, of course, I often send out emails um, with the digital resources. And although obviously those emails can be found quite easily, um, I find it sort of quite frustrating that um, I will say, right, okay, have you got the backing track for XYZ song? Mm-hmm. And then the student maybe will not have put that resource into another app or saved it to their computer, which means that in fact they're kind of looking for that resource anew each time. So I'm currently looking at ways in which I can put all of the resources together cumulatively. So I can actually say, oh actually can you um I sent you this digital resource I'm looking at OneNote and Evernote at the moment because mm-hmm. it's possible to add PDFs. It's um, possible to add recordings. It's also possible to make your own audio recording and put that on. Um, and maybe that might be an easier way to keep everything together for my student and also actually make it much easier for me to see exactly what the student has access to Um, I mean in teams it's possible to add those resources to a file where you've got a kind of list of file sharing where a list of people can in fact see that file Um, but again when you're in a lesson you don't want your student to have to go to that file um, whilst they're trying to have a lesson Mm -hmm. and download it again so um that that that's a challenge i think for for me particularly it's probably not so uh essential to a lot of other instrumental teachers who maybe don't need to work so much with backing tracks because in fact their instruments are um they can stand alone without an accompaniment um whereas the voice is more or less always accompanied unless of course you're going for some um unaccompanied uh, repertoire which again is is quite niche you mm-hmm. you just need to the accompaniment is a very important part of singing and you get a lot from the accompaniment as well um, you understand the whole harmonic um, landscape in which you're singing you understand the whole the whole piece you because it's not just your linear part of the piece that 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 makes it a piece of music is it there's a whole raft of other lines going on in your accompaniment and also your harmony is there to sort of highlight what the emotion you should be producing for a particular piece of work or a particular phrase the accompaniment is very important um and i mean that is going that that's a frustration i think that the live issue is not possible at the moment um i'm on a couple of forums at the moment on facebook for helping um musicians to help themselves really Mm -hmm. um and i've had some really fantastic ideas from um other musicians as to how they do things but for all of us there is this um well insurmountable problem really 
the latency means we cannot work as as a team and that and that's a big problem for us all um and until that changes online teaching will just mean that there's really no possibility for collaboration and of course at the moment there's particular uncertainty about whether singing and woodwind and brass uh, playing and, and lessons are going to be possible. Uh, there's, there's research going on rather urgently, isn't there, into um, the possibility of resuming yes, singing it, and so on. I, I think we're all, we're all waiting with bated breath, really, to find out exactly what is going to be possible face-to-face. -face. So are you planning well, for your lessons in the autumn to be still carrying on online it will very much depend on the places the organizations that i work for to make that call because obviously there's a um there's a health and safety thing for everybody it's not it's not just for the children it, it's also for the teaching staff as well who may probably be more vulnerable than the children who um who it appears may be asymptomatic or may be less vulnerable to the serious effects of COVID-19. I think if we are able to see a little bit more what the science can tell us, perhaps we can do some mitigating things to, to, to mean that we can work face to face. I personally feel that online teaching is going to be here for a very long time mm -hmm. um, and I would be very, very surprised if we could go back to weekly face-to-face -face teaching in the short term, um, certainly before Christmas. Um, one organization that I'm working for has suggested that lessons will remain online for some people um, and that the staff that um, can come in should come in and use larger areas which will mean that there is less risk but obviously mm -hmm. there will be need to need to be more ventilation between students arriving um they'll need to be regular cleaning i i just think it's a bit of a uh it's a very difficult one to call at the moment but it sounds <laughs> as though you've found uh strengths or positive elements of online teaching that that would be interesting to take forward if there is this blended approach of doing some teaching face-to-face -face and some online there are some positive elements of of doing teaching online that 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 you could take forward and, and teachers can develop in in the short term i think so uh i'm always somebody who really enjoys the challenge um and my god it has been a challenge to be <laughs> honest um but what i what I actually feel is that we have adapted. Many of us have have been thrown in the deep end. We've adapted, and we've adapted our teaching to be able to embrace an online presence. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm not saying it can totally replace the face-to-face approach, but it is what we have at the moment, and it is certainly better than, than nothing. Um, and some students, I, I mean, it, it's been quite a, um, an interesting and positive thing to see some students actually really flourishing. Um, I took on a, a new student who, um, who I'd previously taught and has come back um, to having lessons. And she has really, I, she's really flown. I, I know her well. I know her voice well. I know her personality well. So actually, it wasn't like having a new student. It wasn't like having to get to know somebody. But what I've really noticed is that if I had taught her face to face, we would have had to have found a time which was at the probably at the end of her school day. Um, we would have had sort of issues with um, parents having to come and drop her off, pick her up at the end of the lesson, M- myself sort of having to kind of clear up the music room. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and but actually it's fantastic I can be teaching um, a student immediately they finish school they don't have to travel to me they're there mm-hmm. um, and that that is a, an amazing thing I mean it it's always actually um, uh, thrilled me slightly that um, I could be logging on to Belarus in the morning or I could be logging on to teach somebody in Hong Kong um, <laughs> or in you know three or four miles down the road um, and actually that that is has that's an enormous positive um, that I don't need to be moving between venues I can teach students from different schools in the same afternoon if I want to or the same, you know, I can be, I can be somewhere five minutes before and then, you know, and somewhere else five minutes later. So that is, well, it's an enormous bonus, um, not least of all, because I don't have to pay for parking when I'm teaching. (laughs) (laughs) I'm presuming it's cut down on your petrol consumption and wear and tear on the car. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I think um, I've, I mean, I've started using the car a bit more now, but um, I mean, hadn't, hadn't filled the car up until probably May time, which is, you know, unheard of, really. Um, And suddenly the car sort of becomes the sort of, oh, right, okay, I might not need, probably won't need the car this week. So it's actually improved our... Uh, reducing our carbon footprints doing doing teaching online and as you say not not traveling between schools between venues and so on has actually helped us all become a bit more environmentally friendly absolutely and I think that's a very a very positive thing that has come out of teaching from home is that I, I mean first of all I thought I was going to be able to um, I would have swathes of time because obviously I wasn't travelling. Um, unfortunately, that those swathes of time are taken up by kind of recovery, <laughs> post post lesson recovery, really, just because the, of the concentration level required to work online. My thanks to Michelle Harris speaking to me there from her home just outside Faversham in Kent. 
until we zoom again. 